on first off, uh, this, is, this is sort of a, a new announcement, so everybody pay attention to this one. This coming Saturday at 10 a.m., Sunshine Nursing Home Ministry is going to go to uh, Van Crest and do some ministry there. And from my understanding, they may be singing some Christmas carols. And they, they were asking that maybe some people can come along and help them sing. So if you're interested in that, Van Crest, 10 a.m. Saturday morning, you can see Al or Mike for more information about that. And I know Jerry, he sings when they go out sometimes. It's going to be a wonderful time. I think they're going to give out some of the Christmas cards, sing some Christmas carols for the people there. It'll be good. So uh, secondly, don't forget, ladies, if you have signed up this Saturday as your cookie exchange, uh, 2 to 4 p.m. right here. If you have questions, you can see Margot. Uh, by the way, I only have one request. The one request I have is make good cookies so when Margo brings them home, I can eat them. All right, so that's the only thing I'm asking. It's not hard, okay? Um, I do like chocolate chips, just so you know. Other than that, just throwing that out there. Um, anyways, that's this Saturday. See her about that. Then, of course, um, uh, don't forget that Christmas weekend. We have our, our Christmas Eve candlelight service at 6.30 a week from Saturday. And by the way, if you didn't know, the kids are involved in that night, so it's going to be a good time. And then we do have uh, Christmas Day, uh, our normal Sunday service at 10 a.m. And I know, obviously, a lot of people will be out doing families. But if you don't have family or, or if you're going to make them wait and come to church here, we are having church. Uh, service maybe just a little bit shorter that day, but we are having church that Sunday morning. So, having said that, everybody stand up, give somebody a high five around you, and we'll get into our praise of our Savior tonight. Let praise the open that silence is the enemy. Let praise the open that conquers all anxiety. Let it
today and it just I can't let it go are you ready but are you ready for him is your life missing something and you're just waiting but he wants to know are you ready for him because Emmanuel means God with us so he's with us even now and these two songs talk about how beautiful he is how mighty his name is and the authority that we have in him so are you ready to use the authority that he's given you as sons and daughters and most high? Are we ready to speak into the authority that he has given us? That we have his name, that we are no longer orphans. He has heard our cry and he has answered us. And Lord, I pray that we would be ready for you. That as we prepare for the holiday season, and I know there's so many things that go on, that we wouldn't forget what it's about that you came down as flesh so that we could live with you in eternity. Lord, make us ready for you. Prepare our hearts even now, Father, for the things that you want to do with us, the things that you have called us for, the things that you even formed us in our mother's womb for, Lord. Such a time as this. There was no mistake that we are supposed to be right here, right now. your way with us God I pray that you would just this would be a year of remembrance for us that you would revive our hearts God that we would be spending our days seeking you with all that we have that we would crave you Lord that we would crave your word that we would crave to hear who you are one word Lord and we would be changed forever I just want to speak the name of Jesus hallelujah speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause I know there is peace within your presence I speak
over our cities, Father. We love you, Lord. You are so, so good. And we just worship you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're so glad to see you tonight. If you would, just go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening. And kids, wait for me in the back and I will take you downstairs. Good to have you tonight. Tithe and offering. I know they're uh, checking kids in to kids church right now, and they'll, they'll get back up in a minute. But uh, if you want to prep tithe and offering, you may do so. Envelopes and chairs in front of you. If not, uh, one of the fabulous ushers will help you out and give you an envelope. You just wave your hand around frantically, and they will see you. 
tough crowd tonight. Anyways, um, are y'all ready for Christmas? It's coming down the pipe like a freight train right now. Our daughter Hope got home from college after we left for church tonight, so she's back, and we get to see her tonight, and I think Gavin and Maddie are coming from Tennessee next week. I think they'll be here at Christmas Eve with us, right? And our son Ryan is not coming home, so I sent him a lump of coal, all right? Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Tithe and offering. your tithe, what, 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 is, what is the tithe? Tithe is 10% of the increase of your life. The Bible says it's holy unto the Lord. And I, I've heard it said, well, the tithe was instituted with the law, so since we don't follow all the precepts of the law, tithing has been done away with. But tithing was started with Abram and Melchizedek, Melchizedek being the uh, foreshadow of king and priest as Jesus. It was started before the law, so we hold to the tithe because it was pre-existence of the law given Moses. How about that? So that's why I believe in the tithe, and it's holy unto the Lord, and it's an honoring of God for the increase in our life. So it's really an act of worship because it belongs to him, and it is an act of reverence because he is our provider. And what is offering? Offering is above and beyond. Something that's put on your heart above and beyond so when we say tithe and offering, you're, you're 10%, but then also uh, anything that's above and beyond that's on your heart, which doesn't have to be. It is if the Holy Spirit leads. So, so what do I pray? I pray that you're giving. I, I don't pray that you guys give. I pray that you guys follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. So that's just my, my view on the whole thing. And, and uh, we have a faithful house of giving, so we're able to do what we do because of your giving. We appreciate it. All right, Lord, we thank you uh, for, for the giving of offerings and tithe tonight, Lord, and we thank you for the increase into our lives. And um, I pray that as we give, it's, it, it's a reminder to us of the goodness of who you are. And, and Lord, we live in your goodness, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say amen. amen. Bring it on down as that's happening. A couple extra little things that are on my mind that I usually forget because I'm about to crack the Bible open. Um, 21 days of prayer uh, is coming in uh, January. Uh, We haven't had Monday night prayer in the month of December. Uh, 21 days of prayer is January 8th to 28th. Uh, We will kick back off Monday prayer um, uh, for that. But the challenge, I'm just going to tell you right now, the challenge of 21 days of prayer is to consecrate one hour of day of prayer over that 21 days. That's going to be the challenge. Uh, and, and you can do it whenever you want, but as a church, we're just saying Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 6 to 7, Saturday morning, 8 a.m. to 9, and then Wednesday night during January, I'm going to teach on prayer a little bit, then we're going to spend time each of those Wednesdays in prayer. So uh, it's going to be a little different than Sundays. We'll incorporate some prayer also. And, and what, what's going to be available is if you want to during those time periods, you'll be able to jump on a link, and there's going to be a, a live stream prayer at the Botkins Church. Well, I will be at that other than being here for Monday night prayer. If you want to join in those live prayer times where they're leading in prayer, you can do that, or you can just do it on your own during those times, however you want to do. So that's what's coming, 21 days of prayer. And the theme, our key, and this is not just a theme for that, but for everything, is pray first. If you can remember that, life, life will, will uh, be within the wisdom of God. Pray first. Don't get mad first. Don't get anxious first. Don't retaliate first. Don't respond first. Don't post on Facebook first. Don't call somebody first. Pray first. And what you're doing is in those situations, you're invoking God into your situation, whether it's with response, it's wisdom, it's peace, whatever it is. Pray first. So that's something I'm going to say until Jesus comes back a million times from here on out. You can start keeping a marker on the wall somewhere. Pray first. Okay? All right. So uh, that's 21 days of prayer. And here's something that's totally uh, out of the blue, but... Uh, as you know, 
uh, and maybe you don't know, but most of you know that Pastor Dostick does a lot of overseas missions travel every year. And um, we're going to open it up that if any of you are interested in doing an overseas trip as part of one of his uh, uh, outreaches, that you may join him. So what I need, um, I'm asking this question over the next few weeks. If you're interested in that, let me know. Uh, there's maybe some different options of where. They're, I know they're going to Africa, they're going to uh, Brazil, they're going to Mexico. If you really want to get out there, they're going to Pakistan, different places. And uh, so if you're interested in something like that, let me know. There's no, uh, their dates and stuff is already set, but I'm not proposing a specific one. I'd just like to see who might be interested. Then as a group that's interested, we'll talk about, obviously, passports. They, it's not cheap. You're looking a 1000 bucks or more to do these trips because the plane uh, airfare, uh, lodging when you're there, food when you're there, and things like that. So if that interests you, just let me know. You're not, you're not locking in by saying something to me, but at some point when I have a response, if anybody, we'll get together and have a more of a meeting uh, and talk about it. So if that's something, it's, it's something you'd like to do, let me know. And, and I've, I've been, you know, I've been to Mexico several times on trips. I've been to Honduras. I've been to Ecuador, I've been to Africa, I've, I've done different trips, and believe it or not, I used to take teenagers to do this stuff, you know, it's amazing, we've, we've survived, um, but it is a wonderful experience, um, and, and it brings home the heart of missions that really, for our church, should be our local community. Amen? So we can go, but we also must be going here, too. So hopefully... Those kind of things spur our heart in greater ways for what we're doing here, okay? So anyhow, if you're interested in that, uh, let me know, and I can give you more details about that. All right, your Bibles, the book of Joshua. Let's do something, I don't say different because we're in the Bible, but I want, I'm, I'm, we're going to eventually land in Matthew chapter 1 at the introduction by Matthew and his gospel of Jesus to uh, most likely Jewish audience um, that, that Matthew is establishing in his gospel King Jesus, okay? And, and that's a big picture thing. But there's something I want to get to in Matthew 1, but we need to back up and do some reading, a little bit of some reading here, and get to Matthew 1. So Joshua chapter number 2 and verse number 1. I'll tell you a little bit more when we get to where I want to go. And Joshua, the son of Nun, did, did you ever hear that joke? It's, I know, I shouldn't even do this. <laughs> that Joshua's the only guy in the Bible that didn't have parents because he's the son of Nun? Anyways, all right, so um, that was pretty good, right? All right, anyways, please let me stay. All right, so... Joshua, son of Nun, sent two men secretly from Shittin as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name was Rahab. And Rahab is our, kind of our subject tonight. And they lodged there. So, so they got into the city of Jericho inside the walls, and they found lodging probably pretty easily with a prostitute named Rahab. And it was told to the king of Jericho, Behold, men of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. So this is part of Israelites crossing uh, into the promised land and taking uh, uh, different cities on the way and, and pretty much conquering the area. Then the king of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, true, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. And when the gate was about to be closed at dark, the men went out, and I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, and you will overtake them. But she had brought them up on the roof and hid them with the stalks of flax that she had laid uh, in order on the roof. So the men pursued after them on the way to the Jordan as far as the fords, and the gate was shut as soon as the pursuers had gone out. She lied 
Is, is that the truth? She just simply lied, right? Okay, so we'll keep reading the story. And before the men lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that the fear of, uh, of you has fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you, before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Shihon and Og, whom you devoted to destruction. And as soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God, in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that, as I have dealt kindly with you, you also deal kindly with me and my father's house, and give me a sure sign that you will save alive my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters, and all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death. And the man said to her, Our life for yours even to death. If you do not tell this business of ours, then what, when the Lord gives us the land, we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was built into the city wall, and so she lived in the wall. And she said that I'm going to the hills, or the pursuers will encounter you, and hide there uh, three days and, until the pursuers have returned. Then afterwards you may go your way. And the men said to her, We will be guilt, guiltless with respect to this oath of yours that you have made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie the scarlet cord in the window through which you have let us down, and you shall gather into your house all of your father and mother, your brothers, and, and all your father's household. And of course, the scarlet cord very much representing like the Passover in Egypt with the blood on the doorframe. Okay? We'll keep reading here. Then if anyone goes out of the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. But if I tell, this, tell you the business of ours, then we shall be guiltless with respect to your oath that you have made us swear. And she said, according to your words, so be it. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. All right, chapter 6. Jump over to chapter 6 and verse number 15. We'll see this play out for a second. Chapter 6, verse number 15. Let's see. That is not where we were to go. Well, anyhow, we'll see where the, the story of... So we know that Israel came to Jericho. Remember the order of the Lord to march around the city for seven days. And on the seventh day to march around the city seven times. And when that happened is where I was trying to go to uh, uh, see uh, the rest of the story here is that the walls fell. They went in, killed everybody in the city except for who? Rahab and the family that was with her. So, so that was two verses talking about how, where I was trying to find, that she simply was saved because of the oath that was given to her, okay, the cord in the window. Now, what's amazing to me is that we find her again in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 11. So if you want to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 30, so I'm assuming I got this one right, okay. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 30. Now, what is Hebrews chapter number 11? If you know anything about the book of Hebrews, it is called the chapter of the hall of faith. This is where the author of Hebrews recounts the great faith of different people that we find in the stories of the Old Testament. And Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 30, it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had been given, had given a friendly welcome to the spies. I want you to think about this. 
if you go through the Old Testament, there's a lot of great stories of people who did great things by faith in God. Quite a bit of it listed here, but yet the author of Hebrews pulls out a prostitute from a Gentile city and counts her into the hall of faith because she hid the spies and lied about it and saved them. And, and by the news that they took back to Joshua, encouraged them to listen to the Lord so when they marched, they had faith that the walls would fall. She's listed in the hall of faith in Hebrews. James chapter number 2. Go one book back from Hebrews. James chapter number 2 and verse number 25. In the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when we received the messengers sent them out another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now here we have James, who by the way is the brother of Jesus, if you didn't know that leader of the Jerusalem church, in his letter that he wrote, he also calls on Rahab as an example of faith and works. The writer of Hebrews, Rahab, great faith. She's listed in the hall of faith. James writes that not only she have great faith, but she's also an example of faith and works to the point that one of the key phrases that James has written after her, faith without works is dead. See that? Rahab the prostitute. Think about that. Now, saying all that, go to Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3, in their introductions about Jesus, have what are called genealogies. Uh, they're different. If you want to jump down the rabbit hole of why they're different, the speculation why, uh, um, the genealogy in Matthew is different from the genealogy in Luke. There's lots of speculation why. You can jump down that rabbit hole if you want to. We're not going to get into it. But most likely, Matthew's genealogy is listing to bring out the royal lineage of Jesus through the side of Joseph because he is the fulfillment of the Davidic line of the throne that will never end. Okay, he, he's the fulfillment of that. So Matthew has this lineage. We're going to read into it a little bit. So let's start in Matthew chapter 1, in verse number 1, it says, The book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. In other words, Jesus the anointed one, fulfilling the promises of David and of Abraham. So Matthew's genealogy starts with Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez, the father of Hezron. And Hezron, the father of Ram. And Ram, the father of Ammonabad, or something like that. And Ammonabad, the father of Nashon. And Nashon, the father of Salmon. And Salmon, the father of Boaz, by who? Rahab. You see that? Now, I want you to notice there, in all the other places, in obviously the, the record of Joshua, then in the record of Hebrews, and then the citing by James, each one says Rahab the what? But the genealogy of Matthew just says Rahab. Think about that. Let's keep reading here. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David the king. By this lineage, Rahab is the great-great-grandmother of King David. See that? And, of course, you can read the stories of Obed and Ruth, so that story of the book of Ruth, and you see a lineage being laid out here, and Matthew takes this whole entire thing down uh, to Joseph. See, I don't want to pick on Rahab.
Because if you read the genealogy, you can just start with the story of, of Judah and Tamar. If you read that story in the Old Testament, that's kind of messed up. You know what that story is? Remember the story of, 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 of Tamar was married to one of Judah's sons. He passed away. Uh, Judah's other sons wouldn't fulfill uh, the kinsman redeemer business. And then she posed herself as a prostitute. And Judah gets with her. And they have twins. That's a messed up story. Isn't that true? So I'm not trying to pick on Rahab because there's nobody perfect in this lineage. But yet in this lineage, we do find Rahab, the Gentile prostitute of Jericho, who filled faith by works by lying. Think about that. See, Matthew, in his genealogy, specific, he didn't have to put Rahab in there, by the way. He did list some other ladies in here, but it's mostly men. But he specifically puts Rahab in this genealogy, and seemingly he's saying here that Gentile sinners are included in what gave us Jesus, and it's the foreshadowing that they are included in the family of God in what God is doing. You see that? Rahab, Rahab the prostitute is now in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. She's no longer Rahab the prostitute. She's Rahab great in her faith. You see that? By the way, in order to have to be known that your reputation as a prostitute, you were a prostitute. It was a business. This is what you did for your livelihood. This is how she earned money. She was known in the entire city of Jericho as a prostitute by name. But yet we find her in the hall of faith. Rahab the prostitute is listed in James as an example of faith and work. She is no longer Rahab the prostitute, but she's Rahab, worker of good deeds. Rahab the prostitute listed in the genealogy of Jesus. No longer Rahab the prostitute, but Rahab, one who has helped bring us our Lord Jesus and there's no shame in listing her there. You see that. Point being, tucked within this introduction of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew is a prostitute that was her reputation, but she has been redeemed from her past. You see that. Now, you should not do this. Don't ever do this. But I think in your mind, it's easy to categorize sinners. Isn't that right? So you would say, well, I have a friend named Margot, and she lies sometimes. But I think Rahab the prostitute is the worst sinner. You see what I'm getting at? You, you, can, you can make lists in your mind, I think, of who, who's more evil by their works than others. You shouldn't do that because sin is sin. It all has the same result. Okay? All right? But having said that, we would think that prostitution is a pretty big sin. Let's be honest. And in society, other than the ones that probably would call it out but secretly use it, there's a lot of shaming and shunning, considered lower end of society, the fringes of society. You see what I'm saying? That's how we would view Rahab, because of her lifestyle and what she did and her reputation. 
But yet here we find her in the introduction of our Lord Jesus Christ, purposely put there by Matthew. See, in Jesus' coming, Christmas, the work of God does with your reputation something that nobody else can do with your reputation, and that is reclaim it. Now, it's easy to call out sin that's pretty much out there for everybody to see. Rahab the prostitute, it was not a secret. It was out there. Now, of course, in Jericho, they wouldn't have considered that a sin, but in the kingdom, yes. To the Israelite community that came in and and, uh, the walls of Jericho fell, you realize for Rahab to be in this lineage, she assimilated into the Israelite community and was married by a Jewish man. See that? She was brought into the chosen people of God, Rahab the prostitute. Because she turned, if you you remember the wording that she was using with the spies, but we know your God is the God. There was something in her faith. We know, we see what you guys are doing, and our hearts are melting because of it. We know this God is with you. And she chose to believe in that, despite the fact that she was a prostitute, a well-known one. And the oath they made with her and saved her and her family, not only they saved her and her family, but then they assimilated her into the family of God because of her faith and her works. See that? That is the work of God in our lives. Now, again, her sin was out there for everybody to see. But you do have a reputation, whether or not people know it, based on what's really in your heart. Your sin may not be out there for everybody to see. Yours may be much more secret. But the work of God is to see that. And say, but that's not the end if you don't want it to be the end. Your past does not define you. You see that? Your past does not keep you from your future. Your past is your past. But in God, your past is not your ending. Your past may be of some shame, but if you are redeemed and when you are redeemed, you are in the family of God and now you are in his lineage. And now he's given you a new name and a new description of life. No longer Rahab the prostitute, but Rahab in the hall of faith. No longer Rahab the prostitute, but Rahab of faith and good works. No longer Rahab the prostitute, but Rahab in the blood lineage of Joseph, the fulfillment of the Davidic throne that Jesus takes that's established forever. You see that? God can change anything. Even that kind of not only life but reputation it's interesting to me some of these names in this lineage if you go back and read the stories about these people in the Old Testament you go holy smokes these people are kind of messed up these were not perfect people it's not there did you ever notice that God doesn't just choose the already righteous to use He uses those who simply respond to him regardless of the state of their life. 
That's what he's after. And then he starts something in you. Now, let, let, me, let me just be honest. We don't know in between the lines of the story of Rahab. But after the spies came in and she said what they said and she hid them, she lied, she sent them on their way, did she stop prostituting? Probably not. I don't know, but probably not. She probably kept on her business till the walls fell down. But even in the midst of that life, she still trusted in God and was saved. When she was brought into the Israelite community, did she keep on prostituting? No. Why do we know that? Because according to that, well, that, that sin unto death, really. So ultimately there was life change. She got married. Had offspring that we see in this, this movie, Boaz. You're going to go back and read the great story of Boaz and Ruth? You see that? That's his mom. Life begins with a response to God. Then over time, he works out the details. <laughs> by, by the way, we have to see each other that way. I think, I think if we were there and we were believers, we'd have been like, now Rahab, you need to stop this business of this prostituting stuff. If you really believe in God, you've got to stop. Right? You know, I, I often get, I often, one of, my, one of my fears I have is somebody gets saved, then they end up out with coffee with a legalistic person. That scares me to death. Because all, that person, by the end of the coffee, will get 10 things you need to stop doing in your life right now. It scares me. It's not that there's never help and encouragement and sometimes admonishment in things. But I think we like to run ahead of the Holy Spirit sometimes in changing people's lives. And let him start working the details out because we think we got the details figured out and they need to be just like our convictions and that whole business. God worked the details out with her. Because see where she ended up in the testimony of Scripture later. I, I, I fully trust, listen, I, I say this a lot, I fully trust that the Holy Spirit's a big boy. He'll get there. But he doesn't always work the same way we like it to work. You got saved, let me tell you, quit watching that kind of a movie and don't do this, and especially at this specific holiday, don't walk your kid around the neighborhood and, and we go through all this big stuff. And Let the Holy Spirit work the details out. He'll get there. Why don't you just help him be there, pray for them. You see what I'm getting at? But the bigger point is he redeemed her and her reputation. I believe God's in that business. Yeah. That's the work of Jesus. He's come to fulfill these things. That's what Christmas is all about. God in flesh redeeming his creation. And it comes right down to each one of us. So, and by the way, depending on the situation, do you realize it takes a while to live down a reputation? That stuff doesn't change overnight, even if you change. But eventually, 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 the fruit in keeping with discipleship will be growing. And it will be evident. Right? It will be evident that the work of God, the kingdom of God, is growing within you. You see again, you notice, notice how the parables about the kingdom go. A plant growing, it doesn't happen overnight. The yeast being worked through the dough. You ever, you ever make bread from scratch? It takes a little bit. Work that yeast in you. You've got to work at it. That's how the kingdom grows. God is working on it. And so the reputation is being changed. Amen. Your past 
If the enemy tries to bring it back to you, that's called condemnation. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. You have been set free. You are free from your past. And, and, and if, they were still, if they were still writing the Holy Scriptures, there's not one of us that would be outside the possibilities of our name being included somehow, somewhere in there. Isn't that true? The Bible says in James, Elijah was a man just like you and I, but yet he prayed and it didn't rain for three years. Just like you and I. We're people in the kingdom, growing in him, living in him, allowing him to do his work. Amen. That's the life of change. So, Rahab, it just struck me when I was reading that genealogy. Rahab, the prostitute, here she is, right here. She's kind of tripped my mind a little bit. Now, I've heard this before. It wasn't like original to my thinking, obviously. But, but it just, it just, I just want to talk about it tonight. Go back to her story a little bit. And if God can work with her in that way, he can work with any one of us. You believe that? Amen. All right. So for, for a moment here, I just want you to commit your past to the grave where it belongs. How many of you have been water baptized? That old man is gone. Your past has been buried. You died with Jesus. Now you've been raised to life in him. So whenever the enemy wants to bring condemnation, you remind him, I'm saved. I publicly declared it in the whole water thing. Leave me alone. That's not me. When he tries to tempt you back into your old way of life, that is not me any longer. My flesh has been crucified. That's not me. I am a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. You believe that? Yeah, remind the devil of that. He likes to play that game with people. He, li he likes to play that game. Don't let him win that game with you. Stand firm in what you know God has done. Amen? All right. Lord, we thank you for redemption. We thank you for new creation. We thank you for the, the work that you are doing. I thank you that our past is gone. It's been buried. I thank you that new life has been given. That's the work that you're up to. All things will be made new. That's the work. Lord, I pray against the condemnation of the enemy in people's lives that he tries to bring back the past and bring back the struggle, bring back the sin. We declare the freshness, the vitality, the flourishing of new life in each one of us. And that is what is happening. Lord, keep growing us. Keep growing us. Keep taking us where you want us to go. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, love somebody on your way out tonight. Sunday, uh, Philippians chapter 2 is where we're going to be. So come on out for that. I'm looking forward to it. But be blessed as you go. Have a great rest of the week.